Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Here we are again. We're going to faithfully connect some serious dots between the great news of Jesus and his lordship over all of life and the blessing that that brings uh, to everybody when we submit to his rule and reign and we live in his kingdom. And uh, we're coming off a tremendous uh, Sunday. Yeah history-making Sunday here at Living Stones, where literally the Lord has done exceedingly abundantly above all we could possibly ask or even think as it relates to moving forward, our, our now campaign, seizing the moment before us. Uh, you know, we're at a, uh, I think you said it best, you had one of those Braveheart moments at one of our leadership gatherings. I still remember it. It was powerful. I wish I captured <laughs> it on video. You stood up and you said, people, we are at a cross. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I wish yeah. I could have some great I music. In remember it, exactly <laughs> what I said. I think but, it was even more powerful for you than for me. <laughs> no, but it was so good because you said, look, basically we're at a crossroads. We cannot go backwards. We cannot stay where we're at because, um, you know, God is blessing us. We're seeing people coming to the Lord. We're seeing people being ministered to, and literally our building is bursting at the seams. You said there's only one option before us. Yeah. We must go forward in faith. And I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what we did yeah. on Sunday. And uh, Sunday was our, our basically our first fruits offering, sowing into the Now campaign. Uh, and uh, the response was phenomenal. I think we're, we're approaching now uh, in pledges about five point, just under $5.4 million, awesome. which yeah. is unbelievable, yeah. uh, a, a supernatural demonstration of generosity. generosity. And as I shared Sunday, in, in the Bible, when you see people that are radically moving in kingdom generosity and sharing and giving and trusting the Lord, because there's nothing like money to keep us in bondage, you know, money is really an expression of our God and our idol, and and people worship money, and people hold on to money, and they freak out about yeah. money. When you find that people are being liberated, and there's joyful, extravagant, hilarious giving to the Lord, on the opposite side of that is is a move of God. Yeah. Um, you never see a great move of God without uh, generosity, without people coming to the place where they're willing to, first of all, to offer themselves. Not, not primarily talking about money, but we offer ourselves to the Lord, we offer our lives to the Lord, we offer our time to the Lord, and what logically follows is we offer our resources to the Lord. No, that's good. And and we're just trying to catch up with what God's doing. You yeah. know, I mean, I, I'm by nature pretty cautious-minded. Yeah. You know, I, I look at all the possibilities, I look at the data, you know, and I'm, tr I'm teaching I'm, myself, I'm trying to hear from the Holy Spirit more, but you know, for us, it was just one step after another, and the Lord paves out another steps. And when the Lord responds, uh, moves in our people in such a powerful way, you kind of just say, well, pretty obvious the Lord's taking us in yeah. this direction, you know. And our vision is to is to build debt-free, and we've got three years, you know, of, of pledges to yeah. do that. So uh, if you're watching this, we want you to, to pray with us and believe God with us. Uh, so that we have room to expand and grow. And uh, it's like the illustration in the Bible of the woman who went out and was told by the prophet to get as many empty containers as she could find. She gathers all those containers, and then she took that little flask of oil the prophet did. And as he started pouring, God began to multiply that oil. She not only got out of personal debt, uh, but she ended up getting a nice retirement and, and a livable income yeah. from what from the oil that that she 
was willing to, to take and then to sell and to convert into resources for herself and her family. I, I want to show share with you guys what it looks like just practically for a, a very you know one of our ministry. Uh, for example, on our Young Adults Common Grounds ministry, you know we, we which was Sunday night, which was just past Sunday night, you know, and we meet once a month right now because of our resource. I'm not talking about financial resource. I'm talking about room yeah. and space and people and time and energy. You know, yeah. and we're in place in which, and, but people are saying, hey, can we more, meet more often? We would love to. We just need more space. I got to look on the schedule. We need to make sure the rooms are clear. Yeah, so you know? right now you're meeting monthly, monthly, but the desire is, hey, let's get together more. And more. now we're looking at a calendar that, that uh, that's already full. I was joking about you're looking at September <laughs> and October. So the calendar's already full. I'm like, I don't even know where to go with that. So so space is can, absolutely an issue. Can you come to my birthday party three years from now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Normally not a six-month calendar in person but right now we have to because of all the scheduling yeah and we need time and we need space and and we need people we need leaders we need people who's going to love people so I, that's a great analogy because right now we're in place we, we we feel like we put out the container the lord will fill it so we're yeah. looking we're going to our neighbors we might come into your house and say <laughs> do you have a container and by that we meant you know people who are willing to love and serve serve the lord so yeah yeah and uh, and I love what you said because really it's not about brick and mortar. We're not trying to build you know build buildings. It's the buildings that facilitate this incredible ministry yeah. that's happening. People getting encouraged, loved on, connected, life change. I saw so many amazing posts from our service on Sunday with pictures, and not just the pictures, but testimonies of of, of how they've been. I love the phrase around here: love to life. Mm. Uh, that means healing's taking place, breakthroughs taking place, and um, in fact, next next Thursday we're going to be airing an incredible podcast. I encourage you to tune in. It's uh, Greg Tippett's going to be sharing his testimony about how God delivered him from depression mm-hmm. in a powerful way, and really just brought him out of a zombie-like existence into. Uh, a, a wonderful life where he's experiencing the full range of emotions and joy and, and loving his wife yeah. and his beautiful daughters and, and just amazing what God's doing. So I believe that testimony there can be multiplied over a thousand times over, but you need you need the facilities and the space to, to minister to people. So believe with us on that. And uh, anyway, great, great celebration. Yeah, we have a great celebration. We're tired of the awesome sermon series now really really uh, challenging our people to 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 seize the moment yeah you know you know back back months ago we did a series called voices yeah and and really what what that series was all about was helping our people learn how to discern and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit obviously God speaks through his word he never contradicts his word that's the primary source by which the the Lord speaks to us but we're never intended to read the Bible apart from the author of the Bible, the Holy Spirit. And in fact, there's a myriad of decisions that we go through on a daily basis that are not found in the Bible. Principles are found in the Bible, but should I buy that house? You'll not find that answer in the Bible. You'll find principles that help lead you to that, but at the end of the day, you have to ask the Lord for his guidance, and you need to learn how to hear his voice. Now, the purpose of that series was much more personal. It was like, Andrew, how do how do you learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit yeah. for your life, your marriage, your business, your calling? This series, though, which we're calling Special Delivery, yeah. takes a little different twist because how about this? You know, we can become self-absorbed uh, and even asking God, the Holy Spirit, the Bible, to, to just be our source for personal blessing and whatever, which is no problem with that. But But as God enlarges our hearts... He wants us to be joining him on mission 
to take his supernatural blessings and his supernatural breakthrough and provision and to release that into the lives of other people. In other words, he here's where it gets to be fun. He's looking for special delivery agents, people that will partner with him to deliver his goodness and kindness and blessing and compassion and breakthrough to other people yeah. and to fulfill the Great Commission. And in case you haven't figured this out, the Great Commission is impossible. I mean, <laughs> and on, our sense, on, our, on our own on strength. Our strength yeah, yeah the, I mean, the Lord basically said, here's what I want you guys to do. These, these are a bunch of fishermen that probably had not left their tiny little village, and he's sending them into the world. Yeah. To, to let every nation, tongue, tongue tribe, language uh, hear the good news about Jesus Christ and to disciple nations. Now, if that's not an impossible task, I don't know what is. But you brought out the, the key point. God never intended us to do that in our own strength. Mm-hmm. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to be delving in for the next four weeks to this amazing call to be a special delivery agents for the yeah. Lord. What does that look like? How do we do that? Um, and, and, and how fun is it when we, when we do actually join and partner with the Lord? Uh, it's amazing. So, um, But I want to talk about, you know, when you think about the church today, all right, we're called to meet needs in this generation that, only, that are needs that are so big only God can do it. And we usually fall into two categories of error. And I've seen this. First of all is the evangelical church, if we're not careful— we just become another humanitarian organization. right? And uh, we're not meant to be a humanitarian organization. Anybody can hand out food. Anybody can go build someone a house. Anybody can cut someone's yard. Uh, I, you don't have to be saved to do any of those things. And let me just quickly say, praise the Lord for all of those things. Right, we're not knocking <laughs> you know, those, right? Yeah, we're not knocking them. You know, yeah. we're, we're called to do good to our neighbor. Right. Bring a cup of cold water, right, in Jesus' name. But the point is, you can be the federal government and do those things. Yeah. You know, in fact, the federal government's trying to usurp the role of the church in many, many areas that, that it was never intended to to have its nose in uh, or its hands in. Um, but the, the point being, if we're not careful, the church becomes just another humanitarian organization where where we hand out you know suckers in Jesus' name or blankets in Jesus' name, and. Um, but we're really, anybody can do that, and you don't even need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that because there's nothing miraculous or supernatural about it. Right. In fact, I, I'm concerned that that as we become more and more seeker-sensitive, uh, that the church can operate on autopilot and that we really don't need God to be God because what we're trying to do is doable within our own strength. Right. So we don't want to be the, uh, the just the goody two-shoes, um, uh, the church is the nice people down the street that, you know, they give handouts to people alone. Yeah, let's keep doing that, but let's not be known only by that. The other extreme that I find, and we come out of a, of a charismatic background, we believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today, that the power of God is for today, that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is for today, that we should not be doing ministry apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. But I think you can also fall into the uh, other false expectation that when you read through the book of Acts, that all these accounts that we're reading happened on a daily basis. In other words, every single day of the apostles' lives, there were crazy radical things happening, and you almost feel like it's a downer if you're not glowing in the dark or raising someone from the dead, um, you know, that somehow we're missing God. I've been in circles where 
especially charismatic circles, where if that's not happening on a moment by moment basis, somehow you're a failure, or you're not, you don't have enough faith, um, you know, and it really gets to be a kind of a demoralizing uh, experience because who's living a life that's marked by 24-7 nonstop miracles like the ESP and Holy Spirit highlight. Know, yeah. Life is, yeah, right. <laughs> and that and that, that's right. the tension point. Right. But I think what we're really after is a more biblical view of the scenario. And that is there's a longing in our hearts. We we know that there's gotta be more. Have you ever had that longing yourself? Yeah. I mean, you know, like when you <clears throat> when you read something, maybe it's the Bible or maybe it's a great book. And you see that there are people who are maybe more sensitive to the Holy Spirit than you and I are, or that are stepping out of faith more. And, you know, when they do, you know, we talked about this in the Now series, Jonathan, he said, hey, perhaps the Lord, right? We don't know. Um, Caleb and Joshua, they said, hey, you know, the God's given us the land. Yeah, there's giants. We're going to probably have to encounter them. But, hey, let's believe God, right? Let's go now. You know, when people seize divine moments— Usually, great things happen. I mean, yep. God shows up. So I guess there's this longing in our hearts that we realize that we're, maybe we're playing it too safe. Um, yeah, it's nice to hand out the sack of groceries to somebody who needs them, but that's pre still pretty safe. Um, what is the deeper stuff that God's wanting us to believe him for that really requires the Lord to show up or else? And um, and how do we tap into that arena? Oh, should have turned my phone on. Sorry, <laughs> How do we tap into that arena uh, more often? Yeah. In other words, we, wouldn't it be a shame to go through your whole Christian life and only have like one or two instances you can think of that were situations where God really did something that only God can do? In other words, we're talking here about the miraculous. Isn't our Christian life meant to be marked more by the miraculous? And what does that look like, and how do we how do we get there? And part of that, the the problem with that thinking, our culture today is risks are seen as um, yeah. evil, risk assessments. Uh, whenever or, you have or irresponsible, irresponsible, right? You know, yeah. many times we're running our, our churches like like uh, corporations, right. and uh, you know, and let me just say this: you know, when, when you look at insurance agents or you look at Attorneys, their whole life is focused on assessing risk, assessing risk, yeah. and, and and they'll always tell you, "I, I wouldn't do that. Right. I wouldn't open your doors. I wouldn't have that ministry. I wouldn't have that, you know, that inflatable at your youth event because somebody could get hurt, yeah. and then you can get sued." I mean, thank God we don't. We choose not to live our lives uh, through that lens, or else we wouldn't do anything. Right. We quantify life. risk to a number at this point. I mean, we the, the science of risk is so refined that we, we can give you a specific number. Your risk is at this thing. Now, again, some of that is wisdom, and some of that we need we need yeah. to calculate, and we're not going to take reckless risk. Right, right. But, but at the same time, we also need to understand throughout the Scripture, the Bible teaches us that, that a big part of walking with God is stepping into things that you have no control of and you don't know what's going to happen, which is by the, by definition risky. Yes. And 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 anytime we're trying to 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 confront human need, mm -hmm. especially if it's a stranger, right? Yeah. Like I don't know you, but the Holy Spirit's giving me a nudge right. that says, "Hey, that guy, go talk to that guy," or or you know that extra money you have in your wallet. Uh, I want you to give it to that man yeah. right over there uh, in my name. You know, then we're then we deal with uh, pride, not just fear, like risk-related yeah. fear, but now it's pride. 
how am I going to look? What right. if I'm wrong? What will they think of well, me? Well, the risk of me looking stupid, right, you know, which right. hits your pride and the humility aspects. So that's all kind of tied into it. It's interesting because I, I feel like we have to build a society which is kind of hinging on minimizing risk, almost trying to eliminate risk. But at the same time, in our hearts, we don't really come alive unless yeah. we take some risk. So some people go extreme and, and, and make crazy risks. You know, talk about developing a gambling addiction or or go do some crazy lifestyle things. Adrenaline, adrenaline stuff. stuff. We have, a, we have yeah. a whole realm of adrenaline sports, right, right. right? Bungee jumping, rock climbing, and adrenaline junkies. That's like the, the high they get right. from... Uh, you know, or risky lifestyles things. or sexual promiscuity, risky stuff. And yeah. and so it's like, it's like, where's the right place for risk? I mean, it, yeah, and this is a good point. Yeah. We, we were made to experience life at its fullest. That's yeah. what Jesus came There's to do. There's a longing in our heart for that. Right? And, and so now we got, we got all these grown men that are addicted to video games because right. in the video game, they're actually like on a mission. Of course, there's not real bullets. They don't right. have real guns, but they're killing fake bad guys, you yeah. know? Um, but it's but it's counterfeit risk. It's vicarious risk. Right. Is I'm going to pretend like I'm really risking while I sit here on the couch, right. uh, you know, in my mom's basement. Um, so the bottom line is, we were made for the thrill of victory, we yeah, were made to be used by God. Yeah, yeah to do something significant yeah. with our lives. And yet, most of the church is bored out of their minds because we've never really been activated uh, to learn how to yeah. hear the Holy Spirit and to partner with God. To deliver serious breakthroughs in people's lives, and 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 risk comes with you know rewards, and risk will come with his lessons. And again, how do we take that and, and refine under the Holy Spirit uh, led led uh, function or form, in which is not fleshly led risk, right. but really is led by the Holy Spirit. I mean, when we choose to keep our doors open in the middle of COVID, uh, whenever a bunch of churches are closing, sure. there was a risk involved, there, there's right? There's risk there, but there's also reward. There's and, reward. And when and, I think of, of what God has done yeah. and the this, this story after story after right. story of people whose lives have been changed, uh, obviously that was, a, in my perspective, Minor risk, great reward. Right, and it wasn't a, and it was risk, but it wasn't risky because that's something we heard from the Lord, and something we talked to our our, our pastors and elders, and we had an informed decision. It wasn't just like a reckless, like right. I'm gonna flip a coin. Okay, yeah, let's do this. You know, it was we heard from the Lord. You now, when we embarked embark on the now campaign, you know, trying to raise fund in the middle of yeah. this economy, it didn't take a rocket scientist to realize, hey, uh, we're painted in a corner here because we have no more room. room and right. if, if we're going to reach people, we're going to have to right. do something. So that was kind of, a, that was easy because sometimes you get pushed mm -hmm. into a corner and you realize, okay, I, there's only one way out. You know, right. we got to jump. Right. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I would say, some people will say that was still risky to launch a campaign after we just finished another one and in the <laughs> transitional economy, you know. Many people might consider that a risk, but again, you know, if you're here from the Holy Spirit, if you know what the Lord is moving and you know the things God has put in your heart, you know, you see risk differently. But there's still risk involved, you know. And, so. the, and the greater, do we talk about risk? The yeah. greater risk is, why would you risk living your life never taking risks? Right. Because the, that results in a life that's pretty vanilla, unspectacular, boring, uh, not impactful, and from let's go to eternity. You know, we're going to give an account for our lives. So the whole notion of partnering with the Lord and joining the Holy Spirit on this exciting adventure called life. And how about this? 
dying one day and knowing that when we stand before the Lord, he's going to say, great job. Thank you for trusting me. Thank you for partnering me. Thank you for listening to my voice and obeying me because, Andrew, look at the fruit of your life. I mean, I really believe when when we stand before the the Lord on that great day, he's going to say, because we're not going to be there on the basis of judgment, right? Because Jesus already took our judgment. But we're going to be there on the basis of of what we do with our lives. And I believe he's going to say, hey, I want to I want to show you something. There might be a whole room of people that are just saying, Andrew, thank you that you came. You took a risk to go to whatever that country was, that yeah. was. Thank you that when you were teaching in the public schools, you took a risk to share Christ with me. Thank you for reaching out to the, the neighbor next door through the acts of kindness, and then you shared Jesus with that neighbor, and that neighbor came to know Christ. Yeah. Thank you for giving me the final 10%, like you have to do sometime when you're discipling guys, right? Thanks for the final 10% because you challenged me out of my comfort zone, and I'm a better man because of it. Thank you for challenging me to stay married and not to quit because you know what? These three kids wouldn't even exist if it were not for the fact that our marriage stayed together because you challenged me to be the man that I was supposed to be. I mean, we could have those stories over and over and over again, and we should be hearing them because God's literally wanting us to partner with him to bring supernatural miracles to people's lives who are in a desperate, desperate strait. And if we were to ask the question, how many people right now, you might be watching, you would certainly you know people, how many people in your life, in your neighborhood, uh, in your state, in your country, in the world, are facing a desperate, desperate situation right now. And here's the here's the deeper question: Does God care about that? Yeah. And, and it, it, as what we know about the heart of God, He's good, He's compassionate, He's kind, He's loving, He's powerful. He's waiting to bring breakthrough and answers. But there's one missing ingredient. He needs He needs a special delivery team <laughs> who are yeah. saying, Lord, what would you do? through me today and lord use me today in other words what would happen if we started our day with a supernatural expectation that god wants to do something special through my life to impact somebody else yeah and you brought up a, a, another huge element one element is you know we have to take some a degree of risk we have to embrace divine spiritual risk you know and risky for us not for god but mm-hmm. But the other, the other element is we need to embrace the Lord's compassion. Yeah. And I think this is the key is what, what does compassion look like in this context? Compassion, the same compassion that God has uh, for other people. Because you might not sense a level of emotional compassion, but you know God does. So how, how willing are we to take on God's heart yeah. and be compassionate towards that? You know, in the church, compassion, as you and I discussed earlier, can be a double-edged sword. You know? yeah. yeah, and you bring up a great point. We, the devil always uh, preys on what should be our strength. And we gave the example, C.S. Lewis actually shared it, of the drunk man trying to ride the horse and falling off to the left only to be put back on the horse and falling off to the right. You know, by nature, we're sinners, so we're like the drunk guy, right? We have to constantly keep close to the Lord and keep close to his word, right? But the problem with the church is we end up falling off to one extreme or to the other. We're riding a a horse called compassion. But the devil will constantly get us in the ditch if we're not careful. And, you know, we want to talk about a few contemporary issues today about compassion. You know, the world comes to Christians, and if we stand for truth, truth at times to the world seems mean, 
It seems like it lacks compassion. So they pray. Well, I thought you guys were Christians. I thought you loved me. You know, when I was standing up for um, for biblical marriage down at the state house, mm. there were a lot of homosexuals and lesbians at the state house who, when I after I got done testifying, I walked outside, and one man in particular says, "Why do you hate me?" And I said. Sir, I don't hate you. I'm here because I love you. I'm here because I care about you. I'm here because truth will set you free. I'm here because God created you to be a man, and he created your sexuality, and, and he wants you to flourish and thrive. And, and if you disobey him and you disobey his divine order, you're going to suffer. So, But, it, but here's the, the way the devil was working. He knows as Christian people we... We want to love people, and we yeah. want to be compassionate, and we want to help people. So they twist that to make compassion, or to make truth seem uncompassionate. Yeah. And um, and I wanted to share. In fact, I was sharing with you an article that just came out uh, called "Every Knee Shall Bow." It's by Rod Dreyer, but he was talking about the recent change in policy at Baylor University. Of course, Baylor University is a Baptist biblical university that has a biblical view of sexuality. And of course, let me just say this. Many times this, well, you don't love me comes out when we are holding up a biblical standard of sexuality. And so what that means is, well, you won't celebrate my same-sex um, love affair. You won't celebrate my um, transgender conversion. And so therefore, you don't love me. Uh, you don't care about me. You don't have compassion for me. And the way that this argument was stated at Baylor University uh, was that they're concerned that LGBTQ students are committing suicide at a higher rate than the larger population. So let's just pause and ask the question. I'm going I'm to put you on the spot from a Christian worldview standpoint. So, so we asked the question, Students are LGBTQ students are committing suicide at a higher rate. We know that's true. Uh, is that a good thing or bad thing? Well, of course, it's a bad thing no matter what you believe. We don't want to see any life taken. Obviously, these students are in a situation that's so so bad that they're taking their own life. So there's a host of things going on here, around here that we don't know the, the root of, but the end result is suicide. So the question becomes, as Christian people, what should we do to help LGBTQ students not take their lives. I mean, that's the, that's the issue that Baylor was confronted with. Yeah, and, and biblically, first of all, I mean, I want to see those statistics because I don't trust any of the statistics these days. Sure. So people can make up any kind of statistic, take some narrow range and whatnot. So whenever people throw statistics at me, I don't ever take it at right. great, yeah. face yeah, value. So, But just, hey, if, someone, if I have an LGBT friend who's struggling with suicidal thoughts and so forth and, and with just mental health or depression or whatever issue, again, I will address it with the gospel. I don't know how else to address. I used to address... The gospel is the good news. The, the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, a, a lordship of Jesus Christ, surrendering yourself to the kingdom of God. In fact, I use that same approach towards anybody, not right. just LGBT friends, right. Right. Christian friends, non-Christian friends. On a, on a host of issues. And not every just every issue is I'll used, I use the gospel because the gospel taught addressed a wholeness, living life to the full, addresses joy, addresses peace. And I have friends who struggle with depression and suicidal thoughts and all those different things. I'm not going to discriminate. I use the gospel of the kingdom of God to address all those different issues. So, I'm so, not going to say, hey, you know what? Go ahead and, and I'm going to accept you more of your lifestyle that's against the gospel. No, I'm not even going to talk about that. I'm going to go straight into the gospel. That's what so, I would so do. So Baylor University. Yeah. 
as a Christian university, has some amazing tools at their disposal mm-hmm. that a state university wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. We have the good news of the gospel. We have the resources that are found in Christ's righteous, sinless life, his atoning death for us on the cross, his powerful resurrection, his ascension to the Father's right hand, and his sending of the Holy Spirit to the church, the promises of God. I mean, we have the whole package to see people liberated and set free. But here's what Baylor does. They they cave again to the culture, and what they're, what they're thinking is that if we don't allow LGBTQ students to have a campus club that's recognized where they can get together and share their world together, if we don't allow this to happen, the conclusion, and I believe it's a false conclusion, the conclusion is more of these students are going to take their lives. What they should be saying is, Please come to Baylor University because the truth can set you free. And the truth is this. If you're a woman, you're meant to have sexual relationship with your husband. And that's the context for safe, sexual, healthy sexual expression. If you're a man, you're meant to stay pure before the Lord and celibate before the Lord until you're in a covenant relationship with your wife, and then you're to enjoy amazing sexual expression and relationship. If you're born a man and you reject your maleness, you reject your gender, and you think that somehow you're you're a female trapped in a man's body, the problem is not the truth. The problem is you're not embracing the truth. And listen, if, if we live contrary to absolute truth, truth with a capital T, if you live in the face of absolute truth, contrary to it, uh, it's like spitting in the wind and expecting your spit not to come back and hit you in the face. It, it's, it, is, it is like living in rebellion and pride against your creator and saying, God, you don't know what you're doing. You don't love me. You didn't make me right. You messed up with me, and I'm going to go find my own way, and I'm going to find my own truth, and I'm going to find my own sexual identity and my own sexual expression. And perhaps the reason you're struggling with suicidal thoughts and depression is because that's exactly what happens when we live contrary to truth. And so Once again, Baylor has the truth. Baylor has the answer. The answer isn't to create an LGBTQ-recognized club because, as Dreher points out, every place that has gone into that kind of a mode, accepting the larger culture's view of sexuality, even though you say you're not, but you're actually accommodating it, okay? When you go down that direction, the day is coming, and he prophesies it, and I believe he's 100% right, The day's coming when you're a professor, a Christian professor at a Christian university with Christian bylaws, Christian doctrine, and some student asks a question about uh, the Bible's teaching on human sexuality, and you share what the Bible says, and that student feels threatened, attacked, um, their feelings are hurt, their emotions are stirred up. Now they're depressed because they took your class, Professor Andrew Ming, and you taught a biblical Baptist interpretation, right? Uh, A Baylor interpretation of human sexuality. And you said it was wrong or that God did not approve of it. And now you're going to be part of the cancel culture. Your university administration will fire you because if they don't, they're going to get a lawsuit uh, from an LGBTQ student threatening to, to sue the university. And at that point, you're, you're going to be the casualty because it's easier to get rid of you than it is to deal with this lawsuit. Yeah, and, and this ties back into compassion, 
okay, what does compassion really look like? You know, you and I, as pastors, we struggle with that on a daily basis dealing with people because we know, you know, we're supposed to be compassionate and we have a heart for people. That's why we're in this business because we do care about people. I'm not in this business because I love the right. notes taking and the, the spreadsheets. I, it's because we care about people. But, but what does godly compassion look like? And when is compassion, and I've done this too, when I use the word compassion, but really it's to, 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 to disguise my, my fear of taking risks. So I use compassion. Now I'm tying back risk, right? Yeah. I use compassion. It sounds so much better than, you know what, I just don't want to deal with the culture. Or I don't want to deal with angry people. I don't want to deal with... Sure, the- because if I speak truth, there's going to be a pushback. Mm-hmm. But if I'm just compassionate... Yeah. It's so easy to say, well, that, that Jesus would just love, or Jesus would just accept, yeah. or, or Jesus was inclusive, uh, or Jesus would bake the cake, or whatever the things we heard. But really, that is a that is a, a veiled form of cowardice, because you, you will not identify and speak and stand for what Jesus says, but you do it under the banner of Christ-like compassion. And, and it's a smokescreen for your fear and insecurity and for your cowardly lack of standing for truth this is a this is the, these are because you know what truth will cost you something you can hide under under uh, false compassion and and hear me it will cost you something too it'll cost all of us something yeah. but it but it's delayed it might not cost you something now but it absolutely will cost you and if it doesn't cost you it's going to certainly cost our children and our children's children yeah. because they're going to be living in a whole new world where Christian expression Christian values, Christian truth and true Christian compassion will find no room for expression in the larger culture. Yeah, and, and don't be wrong. Like I need to work on compassion. You no, know, I'm I'm learning about compassion. I want to have the heart of God for people deeply for the heart of God. But I need to be reminded. We need to be reminded. Jesus offended the ruling class. And I want to ask the gospel's who, offensive. Who is the ruling class? Now people talk about well, he spent time with the sinners, all that stuff. But he offended the ruling class, the popular crowd. Okay, the people who held all the powers. Yeah. He was very, very straightforward, and Jesus was very straightforward in truth to the ruling culture at large. I want to ask you, who's the ruling culture at large today? <laughs> who, who are the social forces that we're so afraid to offend today? Absolutely. You know? So in that context, let's, let's look at what Jesus would do. But he's also very compassionate, but he also spoke with truth. And I think that's the issue we're dealing with today. So I think I, my, 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 a point, I guess, is to to our Christians, especially those Christians who are who have influence, to really think through, really listen to the Holy Spirit, and, and not use the risk assessment so much, but listen to the Lord. Are you really operating out of true compassion? Yeah. Are you really operating out of a fear of people or risk uh, averseness? Yep. And, and my other thing is, you know, when when can we truly? When people talk about compassion, compassion all the time. I I, I it's so funny for, for me when I see someone on social media who are so. Who are who are saying all about compassion and unity and, and tolerance, and then when someone disagrees with their view, they show absolutely no tolerance. They'll fire them in a second. It's like you know when compassion is shown, it's not in front of social media in these huge political stance you make. Compassion is shown when you're treating the least of those, when those who disagree with you, That's to so those good. who have no voice, to to your children, to your neighbors. So when you're like 50 stories up in your in your ivory tower yeah. at your university or in the the media or whatever, and you're spouting your uh, compassion, cries for compassion. Right. But I love this when you look at their giving, 
They give next yeah. to nothing to right. any charitable organization. Right? Too, yeah. You look at their pocketbook, you see what a hypocrisy it is. Or if you simply go against their definition of compassion yeah. and you mix some and truth they attack to it, you. then they attack you and try to cancel so, you out and actually destroy right. you. Uh, so you bring out a good point. You know, Compassion is better lived than talked about. Yeah, people can talk. That's why when people talk compassion, that doesn't mean anything to me. I want to know how you treat other people who are, you know, you can be, you can make, you can, I can see these politicians who just does huge compassionate campaign says, hey, we're about tolerance and compassionate. And then, but they treat their staff with zero compassion. And you just, you know, you can picture that in your head and you recognize, no, this person is all talk. There's hypocrisy. That true compassion is just a word. The spirit of compassion is not truly in there. You know, and, and, and so here's the deal. Love and truth are forever married in the gospel. You, it, to, to get rid of one without the other, leave something missing. You know, we cannot be the people that are running around beating people over the head with our Bibles on the basis of truth yeah. and have zero compassion. But we also can't conveniently leave like biblical sexual ethics to the side right. and, and never preach compassion. about these things. Yeah. And yeah, and, and baptize it under the name of compassion or seeker sensitivity or whatever these things are. You know, it's the truth that sets you free. And we should never be ashamed of the truth. And again, I, I uh, shame on Baylor for being a beacon of truth, a Christian university that is selling your birthright. Whether we do, whether we talk about a critical race theory, whether we talk about racial equality, whether we talk about social justice, all of these banners are false banners under which. Christians, if we come under that banner, we just took the gospel and we minimized it, we perverted it. We're, we're not letting the gospel go forth with its power, and it's only the gospel that brings justice, it brings racial healing and reconciliation, it brings sexual wholeness, it brings relational purity and blessing, it brings economic empowerment. The gospel is enough. We don't need to, we don't need to add anything, and we certainly don't need to cave to a culture that's it's encouraging us to get woke on a variety of issues. We're already wide awake. It's Jesus that's called us out of our grave clothes and resurrected us to newness of life. We don't need any other wokeness. We're as, we're as awakened as we could be yeah. uh, when the Holy Spirit and the truth is alive inside of our hearts. That's when we, we become the people God's called us to be. So yeah. we, we really encourage you, come on out Sunday, or if you're watching this podcast and you live a long way away from Crown Point, Indiana, uh, you can be a part of our, our church family uh, through our online presence. We encourage you to watch us at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings or whenever it's convenient throughout the week. Uh, also, we encourage you to share these podcasts far and wide because we hope they're a source of encouragement and blessing to, to people that um, you might know that would perhaps really enjoy uh, joining us every week. So any final word from your heart, my friend? Well, I think, you know, Jesus was one that publicly, especially to this ruling class, uh, share a seemingly uncompassionate side. But in the secret, he's loved, and, uh, not in the secret, but you know, in his in his smaller time, he's focusing on the, <laughs> the, the widows. He's focusing on the, yeah. on the many, lepers. How many and, times did Jesus declare? And this is an authority issue. Yeah. He declared that he was God. Yeah. And then the mob. Now it doesn't use the word mob, but it was. There was the crowd that was around him. It says tried to kill him. Yeah. You know, we have the same mobs today. Uh, when you stand for truth, the mob will try to kill you. But true compassion, if you love people, 
you'll make sure you share the whole yeah. gospel. And you will love people when you're on the cross. You say, hey, forgive them for they don't yeah, know what they're absolutely. doing. Absolutely. So That's Lord, Lord, help us. Help us to be like Jesus. Yeah. And I hope you come on Sunday because, man, we're going we're gonna to challenge all of us to, uh, to really join the Lord in bringing the solutions that the world is longing for, supernatural solutions to everyday problems from heaven through the church. And this is the exciting life that you and I were meant to live. So have a great week. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday.